thank you for that encouragement and song, challenge, vow to testify of love as long as we have breath. Because the great truth is, as long as we have breath, we have love from God. And when our breath ceases, his love does not. He has loved us with an everlasting love. We have reason to thank God with every breath. It's a beautiful thought. You know, I want to kind of share, use this time a little bit different way than normal and just kind of give a statement as to where we are as a church in regards to love out loud. Um, you know, culturally, the church has had different roles. Um, you know, one of the things I hate about having a dog is, is ticks. They're gross. They're just, you know, disgusting. And it's, and it's like you, you never quite discover there's a tick there until they've been there for a while, you know, and they're, they're just gross. And I, you know, they, the whole thing about a tick is that they live off another being. They're a parasite. They have a host uh, which to soak up the life force of that uh, from the animal. And, and I think that uh, if we're not careful, churches in America can take that same role with cultural. You know, there's, there's views where the church is to remain separate from the cultural and, and they go through extreme efforts to say we're different, we're not going to intermingle with you at all. And then there's the role where uh, of the parasite where, okay, we'll go on, we'll live life, and we'll do what we want to do, and, and we'll take all the benefits from the culture, we'll take your tax breaks, and we'll do all this, and, and we're just going to serve ourselves. I think that when you see in the Bible and see in, in history, the church, when it's at its most devoted state before the Lord, and its most surrendered state before the Lord, is a church that is changing society, changing the cultural. And so consequently, it's not so separate from it that they never intermingle. There is an intermingling that's taken place. And it is the perspective of that church to find how can we change this culture? How can we present Christ and make this society see Christ more clearly? And that's the goal, really. Help society see Christ more clearly. And so I'm going to deviate a little bit. Uh, from the normally scheduled text in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I will just mention you know, that Hebrews in chapter 3 uh, tells us a couple instructions to do that I wish to do today. Hebrews 3.13 says to exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, for we have come to share Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence from the end. I want to take that thought behind uh, that. We wish to share Christ. And take you instead, if you allow me, to go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. I want to use this as the central text. It is in the heartbeat of, of uh, a, a Christian culture. Uh, what does it mean? This is a, a text that is dear to me. Uh, this is a chapter I had read at my own ordination uh, service, and uh, I think it has a lot of great truths to what we want to do and love out loud. It's, it's about the gospel, especially as we look at the first, let's go verse uh, seven verses of chapter four, and we're going to look at uh, 
observations about the gospel, truths about the gospel that's brought out in this chapter. And they are especially relevant to us as as a church, we're focusing on the Green Pine neighborhood and loving them out loud. As you know, we have been praying for this neighborhood as, as, long, as well as all the neighborhoods on Long Hodge Road. But especially for the Green Pine neighborhood, we've had prayer walks in this area. We have prayer meetings uh, about the folks that live on this uh, neighborhood. We've gone and had survey teams go out now and uh, knock on every home. And uh, if we found someone there, we asked them some questions about what they thought about the community, what was needed in this community, as well as we asked them for something we can pray for. And we prayed with them right then and there, as well as we prayed with them and prayed for them in our last care meeting, uh, care ministry meeting that we had uh, last month. And uh, and now, you know, we've we've started to see some folks come uh, from that uh, result, uh, from that work. And and the idea was we're going to get these uh, requests down, these uh, the the observations from the survey team, and try to get some projects in within this month. That we can do to minister to that community. To be a blessing to that community. To let them know that we love them. And that we want to do it out loud in an obvious fashion. And so there will be some short term uh, uh, activities that we can do. As well as uh, one or two long term activities and ministries that may uh, come from this. And I will talk about those within this time. But why, why this approach? Why do it this way? And I think if we go to this chapter, we'll see a part of this. So let's read this together. So we're going to examine it and look at these truths about the gospel. And uh, let's, as we read this, stand together as we read it. You read uh, silently as I'll read aloud to you. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You may be seated. This book, primary purposes written behind this book from Paul to the church in Corinth. One was to uh, reconnect with the church after dealing with a, a discipline, church discipline issue. And just to reconnect with them. Uh, as well as Paul was defending his own ap- apostolic ministry among them. Uh, and then also there's a very practical purpose in that he was trying to uh, send out uh, letters and encouraging churches to raise up money and to give money to help the poor in Jerusalem. Uh, and so this was a very practical matter as well as we see in the 8th and ninth chapter as he deals especially with giving and uh, giving financially to help those who are in need. And so 
uh, and the, the previous passages, when he talks about this ministry, having this ministry, the ministry that is in question that he's talking about is, is in essence the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation, of being an ambassador for the Lord and saying, you know what, we are able to proclaim Christ. We're able to talk about this new covenant. Uh, there's a new way that God is dealing with us, one of mercy, one by faith, one by grace. It is not of the law. It is of Jesus Christ. And so this is what's in question. In essence, we call it the gospel. Uh, it is the fact that Christ, Jesus, came of God, is God, and became a man, lived a perfect life without sin, and uh, willingly died on the cross, according to the scriptures, was buried in the grave to satisfy the wrath of God for our sins, and God raised him up from the dead to prove that his sacrifice was effective and victorious. That's the gospel, all right, in a nutshell. So, what do we do with this? I wanted to share with you that uh, several truths that come from the gospel, uh, observations and truths. Uh, the first one we see in verse 1, the gospel is our source of heart, our source of heart. You notice that? He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Okay, the idea is the energy that drives us. What drives a church? It should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. What drives a believer? It is the gospel. If you come to a time when you are lacking in strength, lacking in heart, lacking in focus, the best thing you can do is, as the song says, tell me the old, old story of Jesus on the cross, of Jesus on the t- in the tomb, of Jesus rose risen again. It is the same story. There are truths there. There is strength that is found there that can reignite a soul. And the best thing a church can do is to stay rigidly focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that we do. It is our source of strength. Now, we read verse 2. What is another truth about the gospel? Uh, the gospel is best served pure. The gospel is best served pure. You notice it says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. That word tampering has the idea of what vendors would do in, in taking a juice or a wine and diluting it with water. Okay, and, and the idea was to take the resources they had and spread it as thin as possible to make a buck. All right. And so they're not dealing with, he says, as as stewards of the gospel, we're not going to be like these vendors out in the market and we're not going to dilute the word of God. We're not going to try to uh, force it to fit the people's opinion and what is palatable to the cultural times. That's not what we do. All right. And instead, he says, uh, we present the truth, the open statement of the truth, we will commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And this is something we need to understand. The scripture gives instructions. Do not dilute the word of God. Do not tamper. Do not try to make it politically correct. Just present it as it is. It's important when you get a, uh, a product, uh, a food product especially, to follow some directions. And usually you'll find something best if used by you need to take note of that. I think sometimes it's just a ploy to make you buy more. Uh, but I think sometimes it's, it's real, you know. And I discovered that the hard way. I, 
you know, I came home from college and I came and uh, my, I was living with my parents for a little while and my house or my room was right next to the kitchen and I would have these late night habits where I would just kind of, you know, go toward the refrigerator and uh, just get something. Well, you know, I did that one night, it's one of the first nights back and mom, dad, I, I think, you know, they, they never got out of the habit of shopping for four people and even though there's two they still have so much food and their pantries and their refrigerators is, is unbelievable. And so I would, I would go back and, and it was the middle of the night. It didn't cut, you know, don't cut the lights on. It, you know, bother with that. And so I was looking open the door and I grabbed a, a yogurt and thought, all right, there we go. And, and in the dark, I peeled it, peeled it open and uh, just started just eating. I thought, man, this doesn't taste right. It's a little fuzzy. Cut the light on, sure enough, bam. Pay attention to the best if used by dates on yogurt, okay? Uh, it, it does harm to you. I've thoroughly grossed you out so that you're not thinking about lunch anymore, right? Okay? Well, <clears throat> what we have here in the gospel, you think, that's, this is disgusting. That's gross. Listen, when we take the gospel and change it and, and make it fit the opinions of the world today, it is gross. It is disgusting in the eyes of God. He takes something precious and he wants you to know the value and beauty of it. So do not try to twist it to people's opinion. Just say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm born broke. And so are you. You're not good. You're not good. There is sin in your life and there needs to be forgiveness given. And Jesus Christ is there to provide that forgiveness because if he doesn't provide forgiveness, then there is the wrath of God that waits every single one of us. And it is eternal in nature. It is hell. And there needs to be a way out. And Jesus is that way out. We don't change that. That's what the scripture says. We present that. Why? Because the gospel is best served pure. Verse 2. And so what else about the gospel? Well, the gospel, as we keep on reading, we'll, we'll look over verse 3 and 4 for now. We'll come right back to it. But in verse 5, the gospel is focused on Christ. You cannot share the gospel without proclaiming Jesus Christ. He is to be the central, central idea of the gospel. And so he says, we're not preaching ourselves. We're not proclaiming ourselves. You know, I, I appreciate our... A desire to invite people to our church. And I think that is a wonderful tactic. It is a great way to expose people to the word of God. And to other people of God. But understand. It is a subplot. The real target is to invite them to see Christ. We want them to see Christ. We Yes, it's great to see green pines. But it's only great if green pines displays Christ. We need to proclaim Christ in our activities and our ministries, it needs to be Christ-centered. It needs to be pointing to proclaiming Christ. If there's a sensual class that's not doing that, if there's a ministry uh, that is not doing that, if there's an activity that's not doing that, we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, is this about what the church is doing? There are a lot of good things that neighborhoods can do, and school groups can do, and civic groups can do. But what makes us unique is that we point and proclaim Jesus Christ. And so that is what's given here, is that we proclaim Christ. Why? Well, you know, look in verse 4. 
at the end of it, he says he is the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, we can't shoot for anyone better to proclaim. And if we start proclaiming anything else, we are dropping our quality level down. All right. And so we need to shoot for the best in proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. And so we see that given in verse four, verse six, it says, God, who let the light shine of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, we see Christ better for who he is. We see Christ better for who he is. And that's that's why I said our job as a church is to help society see the value of Christ. See Christ for who he is. Now, we proclaim Christ. That is the point of what we do. And, you know, the thing is that people just don't see who Christ is. They see, well, he is a, you know, he's an influential man. He may have been a prophet. Um, he may have been a, a, an angel of some sort. Maybe a God, but not the God. Uh, and, and they'll have all these varieties. And they cannot see, even if they see him as God, they don't understand. So what? So what? They don't see the value of who he is, the beauty of who he is. We spent the last few days at the uh, ocean, and uh, the ocean is a marvelous thing. It's beautiful, any way you look at it. And the thing is, you may just see a beautiful scene uh, of sunset or sunrise. You may see still waters, or you may see the waves. But that's just one level of it. There's just one level. If you could just walk the seashore... And see all that's within the ocean as it's swept up on the, on the sands. Whether it's the shells, we saw horseshoe crabs, uh, we saw, uh, sand dollars, we saw starfish. I've never seen starfish in the wild before. I saw it this past week. I thought, wow, starfish, you know? And, and we just look at it, and then every once in a while, you look out and you see huge fish, dolphins coming out. And that's just a portion. If we could somehow go underneath the water and to survey what's there, the beauty of the fish, of the corals, of uh, the very seaweeds, the jellyfishes, and, and to see those in the ocean light, to see the huge whales. There is so much more to discover. Listen, listen, we worship someone who made that. As beautiful and as mysterious and as deep as some of these things are in the ocean, Jesus is even greater still. And what I'm saying is that someone may look at Jesus and they just see a cursory look at him. They need to be able to go in with the goggles and the scuba gear of the, of the spiritual life to see who Christ is and the beauty of who he is. That is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. It helps us see who Jesus is. And I'm just going to tell you, you will never exhaust the riches of who Jesus is. There will be another angle that will mystify and astound you. Not for 80, 90 years, but as I can see in the word of God, that even the angels and those who are uh, with the, uh, the presence of God for eternity still are in constant awe of Christ. There is no exhausting who he is. And the sad reality is, people are walking around all in this neighborhoods around us, and they have no clue who Jesus is. Have no idea the role, the beauty of him. Now, the gospel is the source of our heart. It is uh, best served pure. It proclaims Christ, but also it is displayed by service. You see, Paul said, not only do I proclaim Christ, I am to embody 
Christ. I am to embody the gospel. All right. As a church, sometimes we settle for proclaiming the gospel. We'll say, well, you know, we believe in the Bible. We teach the Bible word for word. Uh, we, we, we don't dilute the word of God. Uh, we may say, I believe the Bible is the King James Version or whatever translation. And we'll say, this is it. And the thing is, is we get so settled in that, that we do not embody the gospel. Because we're so content proclaiming the gospel. Now, it's, it's not an either or deal. It is to be both. Proclaiming and embodying. And so he says in verse 5, Jesus Christ, we proclaim, we do not proclaim, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul said, I will serve you, and I do so because I'm serving Jesus Christ. You want to proclaim Christ, you must embody Christ. You want to proclaim the gospel, you must embody the gospel. Now, here's the sad, or the, I don't know, sad reality, but just the harsh reality is, you greatly desire to see someone come to know the Lord? Are you serving them? Are you serving them? I uh, just kind of had this little epiphany about this with my family. I thought, you know, I, I, I would greatly want to see my family worship the Lord uh, in their lifestyle to value him. I want to proclaim the gospel to him. The question came to me as I was studying this. Am I embodying the gospel to them? Am I serving them? And that was just a new approach that I've never thought about before. And I realized if as a father I want to be a Christian father. If I want to be a gospel proclaiming embodying father. Then I've got to serve them. To serve them. Green Pines, if we want to proclaim the gospel to Nightdale, we must embody the gospel to Nightdale. We must serve Nightdale for the sake of Christ. It means that we must find a need around us and say, you know what? I don't like doing this normally. This is not my cup of tea, but Jesus is. And I want to proclaim Christ. And so I will serve this one because I'm serving Christ. The gospel is displayed by service. But as we keep on reading, the gospel is our source of heart. It is best served pure. The gospel is proclaiming Christ. It's displayed by service. But as, notice verse 4 and verse 6. The gospel reverses satanic work. Reverses satanic work. You know, I... Had someone, uh, every once while being a pastor, someone would ask you to, to do something that, um, some kind of satanic-like as far as exorcism and things like that. And, you know, like, well, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience in that. <laughs> uh, they didn't teach that in seminary. Um, you know, the, someone was up the road and was sharing with me how they, they felt like their house was, um, had satanic influences. And, and I'd heard that they were putting drops of um, oil or, or something around and I thought whoa <laughs> that's interesting you know and they were just kind of asking my opinion about that you know and and, and it kind of is a is a an unnerving thing isn't it if someone says to you this person's demon possessed I want you to work with them <laughs> all right 
That's, that's kind of that's, that's kind of scary. All right. But listen, what Scripture says here is the gospel is your remedy. It reverses satanic work. You notice verse four. It says, verse three says, the gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing, those who do not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. They don't get it. They don't understand Christ. So in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So in other words, Satan is working in their lives, keeping them distracted, keeping them thinking and comprehending who Jesus is. <clears throat> When someone doesn't get it, when, when you are worshiping Jesus and you love him, and they're like, what's, what's the deal with you? Why is this such a big deal? The, big, the thing is, they don't see Jesus. They don't understand who he is. Their mind has been blinded, and it's something that it has a satanic influence. But notice, what does Paul say? Well, you know, here's what you do. <laughs> you proclaim Christ. You serve them. Why? Because verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He's going all the way back to Genesis 1. He says, if God said, let there be light and there was light, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, the same God who said, let there be light and there was light is the same God who can speak into someone's heart and say, see Christ. See Christ. So it's a work of God, but he has you do it. And they, well, how can I make someone see Christ? You can't. God does. Well, what is it that I do? You proclaim Christ. You proclaim Christ and you serve them. That is the light switch. You say, well, I don't understand how that works. You don't have to. I've had people explain to me how a light switch works. And I probably, if forced to, I might be able to explain some of the circuit and open circuit. But I don't consciously think about that. And I'll ask myself, okay, do I understand how this works before I flip it on? Why? Because I just learned, you want light? Flip it on. All right? I don't understand it. I'm not doing it. I'm just turning a switch, but it works through that. All right? So what is happening is God is changing hearts around you. And it happens when you proclaim Christ. And when you serve them, when you put those two together, you know, I don't understand how that works. You don't have to just do it. Just do it and watch how God works. And so that is the thing. It is a reversing of the satanic uh, life around us. Uh, and so as we're going through, walking through, we see people constantly who have no clue who Jesus Christ is. They don't really care to worship him. It doesn't do anything for them. So how do you change them? You don't. God does. Well, what do I do? You just proclaim Christ and you serve them. That's what we do as a church. We proclaim Christ and we serve them. Now, you think, well, that seems like a tall order. Notice verse 7. The gospel works through the ordinary. You say, well, you know, pastor, it's easy for you to say you studied scripture. Uh, you went to seminary. You, you know, you've grown up in church. You know, if folks will ask you a question, you might know the answer. I might not. It makes no difference. It makes no difference. In fact, as I read verse 7, it seems that as the emphasis in the ordinary, in the jars of clay, it's probably better that you don't know the answer. 
And the idea is just take someone ordinary. God uses them because his goal is not to glorify the vessel, but to glorify what's in the vessel to glorify Christ. And so the more ordinary you are, the better it is. So some people say, well, I'm, I'm extraordinary. <laughs> well, you need to be humbled. <laughs> you know, you need to be humbled. And so if you're ordinary, you don't know all the answers. Great. You're exactly who God is looking for. Because it is in using you that God gets glorified. And it points to the power of God. And so that's why as a church, it's not just the pastors who are the ones who are uh, doing uh, the sharing the gospel. It is all of us together sharing the gospel because that's how God is glorified. Now, notice something else. The gospel some truths about it. It's our source of heart. It's best served pure. It proclaims Christ. It's displayed by service. It reverses satanic work. It works through the ordinary. Notice that I want to skip down to verse 15. It produces thanks to God's glory. It produces thanks to God's glory. You want to see a thankful group around you? You just share the gospel. You just serve them. You let the gospel be displayed through you. Notice what it says. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. It is what we were doing this morning as we were singing. We were singing out of thanks to God, out of uh, a command, uh, an acknowledgement of his love for us, of what he's done. And so we respond with gratitude. And so when people get experience the gospel... It provokes gratitude, thanks, and thanks gives glory to God. And then verse 16, I just want to throw this in here. The gospel is the secret to youth. <laughs> you think, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, notice verse 16. It goes back to what we started with. All this talk about the gospel, he, he talks about the effect later on in, in the verses we, we didn't look at. The persecution that takes place as you serve, as you proclaim Christ. Uh, the, the suffering that will take place. Verse 16, though that happens, we do not lose heart. Why? Because you're still living with the gospel. You're flowing out of the gospel. You can't lose heart when you're focused on the gospel. Though our outer self is wasting away. Welcome to life. <laughs> That's it. That is the normal course of every human being. Our outer life is wasting away. And as you expend your life and give it toward the gospel, you may find you'll be put in situations where your life will be wasted away sooner than others. You age. You deteriorate. You die. Though we are dying... Notice what it says. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. <laughs> Sounds like the secret of youth right there. You know the Ponce de Leon, he's looking for the secret of youth because he's aging. And this is how the legend goes. And went down to St. Augustine, he's trying to find the secret of youth. And, you know, we have all these legends about it. Well, right here in the gospel, it says the secret of youth is the gospel. It is not something to reverse your physical age, but it is a reversing of your spiritual age. That every time I lie, every time I live for myself, I am growing ugly and old and weak spiritually. But every time I surrender to Christ and experience 
the forgiving work of Jesus Christ, the grace given there, the repentant acts, I in my spirit am growing younger and younger. How is it that folks that have all kinds of physical problems can still smile and serve someone else and proclaim the gospel? Because they found the secret in living is in serving and proclaiming the gospel. And their heart and their strength gets renewed day by day. I just want to present to our church, can we be a younger church? All right? Not by our age, but that we are serving for the sake of Christ. I want to share with you some very specific um, projects, if you will, that we can do as a church. I want you to have in this passage in the back of our mind as we look at this. Um, you heard last week uh, about uh, the Christmas clothes and coat and toy exchange um, sponsored by some of our ladies. So you, you've seen the signs out there, which, by the way, interesting enough, I, I hadn't followed up with this, but I got an email. As you know, we've got a lot of those signs out there think what is going on the church we got all these banners going on you have to have to walk just to read everything you know uh interesting enough the folks who are dealing with these the banner people we had a, a fellow i don't know if he's here today or not but he emailed back and responded hey you know i like the folks that have been dealing with me um i i used to be a catholic and i'm, I'm interested in your church i want to know more about this isn't it interesting just in the dealings with, with people, if we do so proclaiming Christ and with service in mind, uh, how that has an effect on the society around us. But nonetheless, I'm deviating a little bit, but the, uh, the Christmas toys and uh, clothes and coat exchange, this is something that's going on uh, in November, uh, I believe, uh, was it 14th? 14th? It's in the bulletin. Hey, imagine that. This is a useful tool. All right. And the bulletin. And this is something very simple where you can clean out the excess of your life. Now, use some discernment here. All right? Not everything that you have, someone may want. And we just got to deal with that. Just deal with that. All right? Let it go. Uh, I'm talking to myself. All right? Uh, But look through and, and the excess can be a blessing to someone else uh if if anything to just exchange clothes hey i need a new wardrobe let me change out some of my stuff but uh also for for those who do not have the same wardrobe and toy closet as uh you might have uh this is something that the ladies are doing and presenting this uh so that's that's a great thing uh We've got the Green Pine Subdivision Community Watch Party. One of the things that we learned is that folks in the Green Pine neighborhood wanted to know each other a little bit more. They felt like they didn't know them, especially some of those who have moved in on the last few years. And, and Community Watch was something that came up from time to time. And so uh, we thought about having black parties, but you know, it's just not a great time of year to do something outside. And uh, so what we're looking at doing is uh, having a Community Watch block party uh, on this campus where it can help them uh, to uh, know a little bit more about how Community Watch works, bringing in some law enforcement uh, officials there uh, to help with this, as well as to provide for them a, a continuing ongoing place where if they want to, they can continue to use this site 
uh, for community watch meetings uh, and to be a blessing to them. And so we need some help. Uh, Sherilyn Hoover has agreed. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and hand it up. There you go. She's agreed to help organize this. Uh, this is going to be a good bit of work in, in doing this. Uh, and so we need some help uh, to, to get that organized. Talk to her and uh, or call the church office and we can uh, direct you uh, toward, uh, which by the way, we might need some help answering phone calls. Uh, the next few days uh, as, as we've got some of these events going on. Um, and this can be a great help. But one of the things that we want to do, is we want to give away some, some turkeys. Uh, we've bought a lot of turkeys, uh, and we're going to give these away to the residents that live there. Uh, but I think we're getting so much that we'll have a lot more than the residents that will be there. And so we're looking at ways to distribute this uh, to our community and say, look, we want to show you the love of Christ in just a simple, easy, practical way. Uh, would you like a turkey? Would you like some food as we're leading up um, for our holiday season? Matt Smith uh, has uh, agreed to help leading in the distributing of this. And so we need help here uh, to distribute. And so you can talk to Matt or again, contact the church office and say, this is what I'd like to do or what I can do. Uh, so we note that November 21st, uh, November, November 22nd, one of the science school classes is leading up uh, a Thanksgiving dinner for the neighbors of, of Green Pine Subdivision, as well as the food pantry residents. I believe this is Carlos in his sites, uh, science school class that's uh, leading this up. And so you see that on 2 p.m. on November 22nd. Uh, on December 5th, we got some of the deacons leading up the family movie night, uh, uh, looking at the uh, place and opportunity for just the families to get together uh, to uh, provide them a, a place, a, a time for them to be together and to enjoy uh, themselves, enjoy this movie. And we're going to look at this also as a way to share the gospel with them uh, on this evening as well. And so these are some very practical things that we can do. But let me just say this. November 19th uh, is not on the front, but it is in the bulletin, is our next care night. This is our ministry of care. This is when we have our congregation, our membership come out and we're praying for people, we're visiting people, we're writing letters to people. Uh, let me just share with you, we've got a lot of work to do uh, with this. Uh, we've got um, the Mills and Wills that operates through our church. Um, I think that they're, uh, it, just, it hit them, the leadership of Mills and Wills, that not only do we need to be serving food, we need to be proclaiming the gospel as we go. And so I think one of the, the uh, emphasis that they're having is we want to visit those that we serve food to and share the gospel with them. I think they're going to be making most of that time, as well as we need a lot of people here to help follow up and get the word out to the Green Pine neighborhoods. We're mailing out a postcards about these events, but we also would like to be able to, to have a hand contact with as many people as possible and leading up. So that is November 19th. Now, these are some things that we can do collectively as a church. Um, and it takes a little bit more organization and work and money to do things like this, but we're glad to do it. Why? Because we're about the gospel. We're about the gospel. We must see ourselves as servants to embody the gospel to our neighborhood and proclaim Christ. But listen, this command and instruction given in this chapter, it's not just to a church collectively. It's given individually to believers. I just want to challenge you. In your neighborhood. In your family. Can you think and find a way. To serve your neighborhood. 
and proclaim Christ. Own it. Own your neighborhood. Own responsibility for it. And claim it for the Lord and start praying for your neighborhood. Pray for your family. You know, one of the things that we deal with as a family, you know, we got children in our neighborhood. and You, know, you can't always control who lives next to you. You know? <laughs> You're wondering, I don't know how much influence I really want from them. And this is a, this is a dilemma that parents deal with. Others, some of you have already dealt with things like this. But I started asking myself, well, if I want to change the neighborhood, how do, I, how do I look at this? I can't just ask myself, how, how can I keep myself from this influence? But I've got to start asking, how can I influence them? How can I pray for them? How can I serve them? How can I proclaim the gospel to them? That is our role. That is our job. So I challenge you, though you may not live in Green Pine neighborhood, um, this is a command that goes out to you. And don't lose heart. Because the gospel is our source. It is best served pure. Don't dilute it. It is proclaiming Christ in the preciousness of who he is. It's displayed by service. It resources, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Reverses, there we go, reverses the satanic work around us, as well as it is a ordinary vessel that God uses to his glory. It produces thanks to his glory and is the secret to our youth. Don't y'all want to be some young workers, enemies of Satan, thankful, giving glory to God? Then center your life on the gospel. Let's pray.